Welcome to 20 Not Something, the podcast for 20-somethings who haven't quite figured out what their something is yet. It's time to celebrate this messy decade and to reassure you that everything turns out all right in the end, because doing something in your 20s can actually mean doing anything that makes you happy. Today, I am joined by the tenacious Cam Jared. Cam's entrepreneurial spark ignited when he was just a kid, selling bits and bobs on the side to peers at school. On some level, he always knew that he was going to build a business himself one day. Cam started off his 20s working as a chef in the Alps on ski seasons before returning home and making the scary leap from his country home in Devon to London to work in property development. However, after a year of working in the London corporate world, Cam faced a moral dilemma when a difference in opinion led him to question the company he was working for. It was this dilemma that triggered Cam to leave the business and go out and make it on his own. After leaving London and setting up his own business, Cam travelled all over the world, from exploring Europe and Asia to settling in Portugal for a few months before going over to North and South America. For Cam, travelling was a way of life and he wanted to use this time he had to learn, explore and try out things he never would have done otherwise. Some call it finding yourself, but the way Cam recounts his time, it feels to me more like returning to yourself. Using travelling to go back and remember what it was you really wanted in life before extraneous events got in the way. After returning from his travels, Cam moved back to the big smoke for the second time. Having founded his business, CJ Media Labs, he had big plans of actioning his dreams into a reality. Now Cam works as his own boss, helping fitness professionals and online businesses around the world grow, develop and excel. Cam's story shows that taking time out for yourself to explore and follow what you want to do, even if it's not a generic route, does not mean for a second that you will be left behind. If anything, it gives you the opportunity to learn more about yourself and what you want with the knowledge that whatever happens, you can always come back. In the words of Cam himself, what's the worst that can happen? Cam, welcome to 20 Not Something. Thank you, Emma. Really pleased to be here. Looking forward to it. Good. How, how are you? Yeah, really good. Really good. Yeah. Uh, super busy at the minute, surprisingly, uh, with everything uh, COVID-wise. Our business is kind of mad busy at the minute. <laughs> so, mm. so um, Well, I guess if it's the online world, isn't it? Everyone's sort of online. So it's... Uh... Yeah, it, it it's a large part of that. And obviously, so many people are currently spending time at home and like on their phone, on social media. Mm. And that's kind of where we play. So it's... Exciting. It's, yeah. Um, so I'll start off with the same question, which I ask everyone, um, which is, what did you want most from your 20s when you were a teenager? Oh, that's a, a very interesting question. Uh, to become rich. <laughs> <laughs> like, to be Love 100% that. honest, it's like, I, I think that was always, a, a, um, in my mind, it was just like, I always wanted that. Um, and it's changed a lot, like as it's gone on, but like back then I was very much about the, I want to become a millionaire. It's time, Mm -hmm. you know, sort of thing. Um, but then as I got into it, it, my eyes were kind of opened a lot. I was very naive. And I think we all are, aren't we? When we're sort of like Mm -hmm. in in your teens, you kind of, you have this plan and then you, you get into it and then you realize, oh shit, actually (laughs) it's not going to go as I thought it was going (laughs) to. Yeah, we're not all Bill Gates. No, no, and uh, <laughs> and and that was um, you know, it it has obviously developed a lot, and and my my approach to everything has developed a lot, and mm. as I got into it, it kind of morphed more from wanting to get rich and and in one specific thing to more so of 
just try as much stuff as you possibly can or as I possibly mm. could. And that was probably one of the biggest lessons of being younger. I mean, I, I was kind of like it when I was a teenager as well, but by the time I hit 20, I'd have probably already done 10 different jobs. Really? Like I, I, I started off working when I was like 11. So I cycle, you know, like five miles. So I grew up on a farm. So I'd cycle five miles to the local village to do a paper round. Cause I was like, I need to make money. <laughs> and then, and then I started doing like pot washing, started chefing, worked at a country park, um, did a bit of bricky work, like groundskeep, um, groundskeeping, fencing, mm. bar manager, like all these things before I was even 20. Um, and that kind of like carried on into my 20s. Mm. Was that encouraged by your parents or did that sort of come from you? I think a part of it was, it wasn't so much a, uh, like a direct cam, you need to go and do stuff. It was more so a, a watching how hard, like my mom in particular, she worked unbelievably hard to put to give sort of me, my brother and my sister, like what we, what we could, like she worked mm. in a, at a country park. So their biggest, busiest times were school holidays, which meant we couldn't really go on like family school holidays, but she'd always mm. be working to send us on like school trips and give us, you know, new clothes and shoes and all this kind of stuff. And I think watching my mom and my dad we grew up on a farm. So obviously farm work is always hard work. Um, so I think from a young age, it was kind of instilled in me like effort and hard work is, is one of the few things that you have control over. And so that was, it. that was just sort of always there. And it was always kind of fed into my mindset, I think. Yeah, definitely. And it is true because I think a lot of people, when you sort of start a project, it's like, what if it goes wrong? What if, what if I'm not good at it? It, it? So many thoughts go through your head. And actually, if you sort of distill it back to what you just said, like hard work does pay off. Um, it's actually quite reassuring. <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. It's, and, and on top of that, it's like, you can always work as hard as you can. If you then screw up and it doesn't work, it's like, as you said in the intro, it's like, what is the worst that can happen? In your 20s, like, it's not like you're letting down hundreds of people. You And I obviously, I know some people in different situations, they might have kids, whatever it is. But a lot of the time you don't. And it's like, you just go home. That's what I did. I slept, I, li I lived with my sister for, I think, how old was I? I must have been 24, 25. And I, I lived with my sister for like two months, lived in her spare room. Was that difficult for you? Because I think, you know, when you get to your mid-20s, it's often that there are a lot of people around you who have been working in jobs, you know, say you come out of uni and you're 21. By that age, a lot of people are sort of like seem, I say seem with apostrophes because it is like seeming to have it all together. Um, was that really hard to to bounce back from? Not particularly for me, I think, and my, my kind of experience my, of my twenties kind of veered off very early. It, mm. I never went to university. Um, I went straight into, uh, doing ski seasons after college, after, after I failed college. <laughs> um, and then after my third season, I was like, okay, I need to actually, um, do something 
with my life. Um, mm. So looked at getting into like doing property stuff and investing, and then that was a bit too slow. And then when I was 21, I think it was, I went to an event in London and um, one of the speakers I overheard that he was holding an event somewhere else in like a week or two's time. And I basically just went up to him and was like offered to volunteer at it. Mm. Um, And then from there, I I managed to get myself a job with him. Um, And that was like a really weird experience because I I was working in a bar down in Devon, living at home. um, And he kind of rang me up on a Sunday and was like, Cam, I think it'd be good for you to come up to London, uh, stay at the apartment. So there was him and another guy living in an apartment. So I come stay in an apartment um, for a week or so, get to know the business, get to know uh, you know, us, um, when can you be here? And I was kind of like, well, I've got a car. I need to cancel insurance. I need to quit my job. Um, maybe like two or three days. And he was like, I need you here this afternoon. And this was like Sunday morning. So I literally just threw some stuff into a, into a carry on suitcase and got on a train up to London. Wow. That was, that was like when I was 21, 22. So it was very early on that I, I was, um, I was sort of surrounded by entrepreneur types, like personal development and uh, Mm. self-improvement. Like, don't care what other people are, you know, you're on your own journey, that kind of mindset. And so I think by the time I got to 24, to bring it back to the actual question, uh, Mm. by the time I got to like 24, 25, and I, I, I mean, I'd just come off of a trip from three months in Costa Rica, three months in, or two months in Colorado, three months in Portugal, and I just come off of that. And I was like, right now I need to find somewhere to stay. And so I was at my sister's. And so to me, it was just another step in the journey. Mm-hmm. It's like, this isn't forever. It's for it's a stepping stone kind of thing. Mm. That's such a healthy way to look at it. Um, I think being surrounded by entrepreneurial folk, like you say, must have been a, a really healthy way to sort of grow up around that sort of language and know that actually these things take a long time to get right and that you're doing everything you can to do that. How did you find the um, move from Devon to London out of interest? Because I mean, completely polar opposite worlds. Um, Did you, did you fit, did you find that it was quite an easy adjustment or was that, was that quite hard? So London is a very easy place to be lonely. Um, The first, so right now I'm on my second stint in London. Um, and this time I absolutely love it. Um, the first time, the first 12 months was a bit of an anomaly because as I said, I was living with this guy. So that, that week of going up there for a week turned into 12 months of living in that apartment and our day daily routine, like it was just us. It was like, I would work. Um, I would go to the gym, I'd wake up, go to the gym, work till like nine, 10 o'clock. We'd go for shisha and a mixed grill, work then until like two, three in the morning, go to bed and it would be repeated seven days a week. Like it was, it was nonstop. So I didn't really experience that much of London in that time. But then when I moved out, I moved to West London, um, Labrook Grove. And so I was living in like a house share and and that's where I experienced the fact that it can be really lonely because I didn't put myself out there. I didn't go to events. I didn't start doing sports. I didn't, uh, you know, try new things, all this kind of stuff that is where you meet people. And because I work online, 
I work from my laptop. So I'm either sat in a coffee shop or sat at home. So you're not mm-hmm. meeting people through work, which is where most people do meet people, meet like friends and all that kind of stuff. Um, so the first time was a bit shit from that perspective. But the second time, I think it, I had, I'd already experienced it. So I was kind of like, all right, I need to get out and do this. So as soon as I got here, I signed up to jujitsu. I started doing, um, like going to events and, uh, trying new things. Like before this whole lockdown, I was booked in to do an improv class and a comedy class. And that's just a good chance to meet different people. Um, so I think that's one big thing is like, if you're moving anywhere, I think you should always move away from your hometown, but you should definitely push your boundaries and go to do like events and things like that. I think it's, it's Mm. huge. Yeah. So after that, the the first year you were in London, um, coming to an end, what prompted that move? And then after, again, you'd like going traveling, how did that, how did that sort of come about? So the, the guy that I was working for, when I first started working for him, I was making like 800 pounds a month to live in London on that is, is pretty difficult. Um, but I managed to work my way up within like 12 months to a decent salary or like pay. Um, but by the end of the 12 months, I'd, I had this kind of moral objection to some of the practices, some of what we were selling and all that kind of jazz. So I quit basically. And that was the biggest driver. I, I had no money. And my friends had just gone to do a season in uh, Portugal in the in the Algarve. And um, they had a spare bed and they were like, it's 30 euros a week to come and stay here. So I was like, 900 pounds a month for where, where I'm living in London or 30 euros a week <laughs> to go to live on the Algarve. I was like, it's this a no is brainer, a no-brainer really, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, so I moved, I moved to Portugal, um, did like two or three months down there. Um, and then I had another friend who was the same guy that I had lived with in London initially, like the other version of me. So there was the guy that owned the company and then there was two of us that, that lived with him. Um, and the other guy, Jamie, he was living in Costa Rica and he was like, just come out. So I went and stayed with him. And then from there, I had other friends in America. That's one good thing about working online is you meet a lot of people from around the world. And so you always Mm -hmm. have kind of connections in a lot of places. Did you work a lot on your travels then as you were sort of going around? (laughs) To begin with, no. But then I got to a point where I was like, there is a a big turning point in in my business kind of process. And it was when I was, how old? I must have been like 20 four. How am I now? 27. Yeah. So 24, early 24. Um, I, I was coming back from Costa Rica to go to America. Um, but I was stopping in Orlando, uh, before going to Colorado for an event. And I went to this event and I was dead broke. I had no money. I'd maxed out most of my credit cards from trying to live in London on dirt, on no money, um, mm. traveling, buying flights, all this kind of stuff. Um, and I, I went to this event. I was really good. I was like, I've paid for my Airbnb. I've got my flights. I'm not going to go out. I'm not, I'm, I was eating like super noodles or Americans equivalent um, after the event and stuff. And, uh, and then on the last day of the event, I met these, uh, these two girls and this guy that ran an SEO company down in like California. And he was like almost to like fuck you money kind of rich. 
and he invited me out for dinner and i was like i can't say no this is a great opportunity to like talk to some people etc yeah and uh ended up going for sushi and then me and him ended up finishing off like four bottles of sake together um <laughs> so i got pre-drunk and um that sort of supposed early night before my flight the next day turned into like a 4am me giving myself a pep talk to my own GoPro whilst I'm walking back to my Airbnb saying, right, Cam, you're going to wake up, you're going to pack your bag, you're going to get on the flight. And then next thing you know, it's it's the day after and I've slept right the way through when my uh, <gasps> flight was supposed to even leave. Not just like oh. when I was supposed to get up, I just missed my flight entirely. But because I had zero money, I had to ring my friend in Colorado and be like, dude, I've missed my flight. Can you buy me another one? Because I, I genuinely couldn't afford to buy another flight. And uh, and so, yeah, he bought me a flight. I got to Colorado and that was kind of the flame under my ass of, right, you need to, you need to really hustle. You need to start calling people, selling stuff. And that's what I did. I kind of um, just double down on on selling in that month and made i was able to pay my friend back i was able to pay off a, a bit of my debts and stuff um but yeah since then it's been growth i guess <laughs> less yeah than about do you still have that go that gopro footage i do and I, yourself together? <laughs> I do and i've been i've been quite scared to watch it <laughs> <laughs> Cause it's, it was, um, like I see some of the pictures come up on my phone, um, every now and then of like, Oh, it was a really great time and all that kind of stuff. And, and yeah, I haven't watched that video in a while. I might go back and watch it, but that just comes back to my point of like, what's the worst that can happen? Like you've, you've always got ways out of things. Mm. Do you, did you, um, travel alone or did you sort of meet people along the way and stick with them? No. So I, I didn't really travel in the sense of of like go backpacking as such um mm. i did you know i went and lived in these places with people that i knew um or i went to stay with people that i knew and then we'd go off and like explore different areas um with some of my work uh the, the guys that i work with one of the guys um sonny webster he we, he, we do a like a retreat out in bali every year and um so i've been able to go out there and and do things like that and uh i went to thailand for like a retreat um but not so much of the backpacking stuff i'm more of like i'd rather go and see a place in a little bit more uh comfort let's say yeah yeah definitely the way to do it <laughs> as someone who's backpacked across europe i can say that it's definitely worth saving your money and doing it nicely <laughs> yeah <laughs> So then coming back from and like uh, approaching London the second time, um, what changed? I guess we touched on it a little bit earlier, but did you, was it sort of a low point coming back from your travels? I know you'd say it's not like conventional traveling, but a lot of people, when they come back from sort of big trips, they get to a little bit of a lull. Um, or were you still quite motivated and like ready to do it the second time around? Yeah, I was pretty hyped. So between coming back from my travels, I I did live in I lived in Exeter in Devon for um, you know, a year and a half and I was working on my business um and then I I kind of felt myself getting into a rut. And there's a really good book that I'd recommend. It's my favorite book in the entire world. It's called When I Stop Talking You'll Know I'm Dead by a guy called Jerry Weintraub. 
Um, he's like, he like, he was a producer. He took Sinatra on tour. He did loads of crazy stuff, but there's a, there's a quote in there. That's like, if you feel yourself getting too comfortable, like you need to, um, you know, flip the apple cart. You need to make a big change. If you feel it like you're getting too content. And, um, Mm. I found myself doing that in, in Devon. I was like, my business wasn't growing. I was stuck at like, just doing the same revenues, nothing really changing. It was just like the same cycle over and over again. And I was like, all right, I need to do something chain to change. And uh, so I made the decision. I was either going to move to Lisbon or to Portugal, uh, Lisbon or to London. And then I was like, well, if I go to Lisbon, I'm not going to do any work because <laughs> there's way better things to do. Um, so I was like, right, I'm going to move to London. And then from making the decision to actually moving to London was like a two week period. So it was really like instant, uh, instantaneous of, of like, all right, I'm going to do this. And then I moved. Um, and that kind of reignited the fire. It was like, all right, I'm, there's so much more energy in London. Um, there's so mm-hmm. much more to do. Uh, there's a lot more people. Uh, and so, yeah, it just kind of kickstarted everything again. And so, um, that that's kind of how I approached it a bit different was like, I went in with the mentality of right for me to get the most out of this, I need to go start a sport or whatever it is. So I took jujitsu back up, um, Mm. go and to events, go and meet people, go to, uh, marketing events, whatever it is. Um, and that was kind of my approach to London the second time is, you know, doesn't necessarily have to be relevant to my business, but if I get to meet new people, it's just constantly allowing me to grow as a person. Mm. It is amazing how you can change so many things in your personal life, which actually then do go on to affect like the way you work. Um, and I think it's something that's quite overlooked, you know, it's, uh, it's so important to have like a happy and fulfilling personal life, um, as well as obviously working really hard on your business. Yeah, hundred percent. I think, you know, career and business is, is great, but if you don't have that, if you don't have health and fitness, if you don't have living in an environment that you enjoy, if you don't have friends that you can share experiences with, I think it makes business less enjoyable. Mm. So definitely. Yeah. I think it's, um, it is a big part of it for sure. Mm. What would you say to, um, like, an 18 or 19 year old who is thinking about starting their own business, what would be like sort of one pearl of wisdom? (laughs) I would say go and work for somebody else, (laughs) which is, which is the reason being is like when you're first starting out, like there's all these, um, now don't get me wrong. There are people that will start a business at 18, 19 and be making six figures a year within 12 months, 18 months, 24 months, whatever it is. But that is a rule. Uh, uh, No, it was an exception to the rule, whatever the Mm. phrase is. It's very rare. Um, Whereas if you can go and actually learn the skills of business by working for someone else, so learn how to market, learn how to sell, learn how to be confident in front of camera, learn how to be confident in front of other people. Like when I was 18, if you stood me up in front of three other people in person and I had to talk to three other people, I'd go bright red, I'd start crackling my voice, I, I'd go sweaty palms. Um, and just through like gradually pushing and pushing and pushing, like now I'm able to do talks in front of 100 plus people. Um, 
But learning those things under someone that's done it before is a hundred percent the best way to to build experience. Plus, you're getting paid for it pretty much guaranteed. Like they're not going to not pay you if you. It might not be the same as you would make in a graduate job or something, but you're probably going to get better experience because you'll be deeper within the business. Um, and that's probably the best thing to do is like 12, 18 months. And you may find that, that you're not necessarily the best person to be the head of a business. You want to be like number two, but you can still get to your income goals if that's like your main target. Um, but not everyone wants to just make money. Some people want to be able to travel with their work or, Mm. you know, have family time or whatever it might be. Um, So I think that's one of the biggest things. And the other thing I would say is try lots of stuff. Like that, I think, was one of the best things I did was I tried lots of different areas, jobs, um, industries, just finding things. Like you don't know you if you like something until until you've tried it. So there's no point saying no to something before you've even tried it. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, so true, actually. So then I guess if you're, if, I mean, you've got a couple of years left of your twenties. So what, what is next? What's next? That's a very good question. So, I, I mean, the big thing for me is, is really scaling, uh, my, my company, obviously, um, as I said earlier, I'm getting into comedy and stuff. So, um, I want to, I want to start doing that and in, in, in embracing that into like, uh, doing more things that I'm scared of. Like now I'm okay talking about things I know in front of a lot of people, but standing in front of uh, a group of people that I've never met before and trying to make them laugh, that terrifies me. Absolutely <laughs> I mean, it's the most me. terrifying thing. Like they always say stand-up comedians, it's the, it's the worst job. So Yeah, 100%. So that's that's one of my big things is like, con- like keep doing things that are going to push me to, to be scared. Um, and then obviously like the business growth, um, you know, bring on more team members, um, get my team members to be, uh, excelling and, and sort of earning the incomes that they want to be earning and just having a really great environment and, and sort of culture to, to that people want to actually come and join sort of thing. Okay, we're going to go on to play Millennial Minesweeper now. Um, right. So a quick recap of the rules. It's just I'm going to read out some quotes and you've got to determine whether they have been uh, made up by me or published on the internet. Okay, um, when you say published on the internet, are these like legitimate sources or are these uh, uh, no. any like nine gags <laughs> I mean, or something? We're, <laughs> we're verging from like blogs to the Daily Mail. So yeah, okay. it's because it's, some of them are a bit outrageous. But, um, All right, let's do it. <laughs> okay. Um, so our first one is traveling abroad in your twenties will ruin your life. I hope that's made up because that's bollocks. <laughs> it's not, it's actually published. <laughs> I saw it and I was like, oh, this would be perfect. Um, it's from, it's an article from the Savvy Backpacker, um, right. which is a website and it is. <laughs> I think it's trying to say something good, but it just doesn't come across very well because it basically says that the worst thing about traveling in your twenties is that you won't be able to stop. Is is its conclusion essentially? Uh, so it's a clickbaity um, headline, basically. Yeah, but yeah. it also does say that we are too impressionable as twenty-somethings to deal with the idea of having to come back to a normal life. Yeah. See, I disagree with that. I yeah. think 
like now I've tried, I've traveled a fair bit and I like, I love a good routine now. Like the, I think everyone gets to a point where I've, I've got tons of friends that have done loads of seasons that have traveled a lot and they're all like, actually, no, I want to, you know, they've got the self-awareness to be able to say, actually, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to quote unquote settle um, mm. in one place or have a base or whatever it is. Cause there's no reason that you can't travel. You can just, you just travel in better style because you've got money. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Very true. I just thought it was quite a good uh, topical one for this conversation. (laughs) Um, Okay. So our second one is by the time we get to 30, 80% of us will be working in a different industry to where we started in our early twenties. Published. No, I made it up. Did you? Wow. Yeah. Because I think it is true. Um, I think, yeah, speaking obviously having done this and speaking to a lot of people, like I think it is baffling how many people get to their late twenties and have sort of like a realization that I've been working towards something that I don't actually want anymore. And I think that's where your advice comes in so brilliantly is that like, try everything um, because you never know what you might want to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is, um, that, I don't know whether I read it or saw it somewhere, but they, they reckon like our generation, it will have I think it's like four or six careers in their lifetime. Whereas obviously like our parents' generation, it was more one or two careers. Really? That is interesting. interesting. Yeah. But I think there is so much, you know, there is so much you can do now, especially, I mean, you know, more than I do about the online world, but I think that has opened up so many opportunities for people, which like five years ago, nobody even really knew about. Yeah. And the beauty of it is you can do it while still working a normal job i mean like you are mm. with this podcast i mean this isn't your main business mm. though in a year's time 18 months time if you're consistent and continue with it it could well be i mean look at joe rogan he's just sold his rights for a hundred million dollars nine years <laughs> of podcasting and speaking to your mates for a hundred million <laughs> i think we all would yeah um so our final one is when did performative workaholism become a lifestyle i don't know what that means so i'm gonna say it's probably published (laughs) it was published yeah i didn't really know what it meant either um (laughs) but i did a little bit of digging in the article and i've actually brought this article up in a in an episode beforehand but it's why are young people pretending to love work published by the new york times and it basically goes into this um talks about the hashtag hustle lifestyle and how young people are now um, working in this burnout culture as in like working really, really, really hard and not giving up and like this sort of drive for success that a lot of entrepreneurs have. Um, But it was talking about it in quite a negative way. And I just wanted to get your opinion on it as an entrepreneur who this concept of productivity um, and working really hard. I don't know. How do you... It's it's quite a complete. I haven't explained it very well, but um, no, no, I completely get what you're saying. I 100% see where you're coming from, and I've seen a lot of people with that. Like, I think that the the approach to that kind of an article is wrong in the sense of people are hustling on things that they don't actually uh, have any ambition to achieve necessarily, or that like they're trying to do things for other people, not for themselves. Like Mm. if you really enjoy what you do, if you like, I still work 
10, 12 hours a day, six days a week, but I have a life. You know, I train every day. I go and see friends. I take Sundays off. Like I work hard. Hard work is like mm. the one variable that I have full control over, like how hard I work. Um, and I think if you're doing it for something that you actually enjoy and you, you can reap the rewards from, then I don't see there's any problem with that. Burnout only comes is when you are doing things that you don't like for too long. Like if you like the things you're doing, you can do them forever. That's my opinion. Yeah, no, that's a really interesting take on it because I think there's, especially in that article, it was saying how young people are very um, driven to do loads and loads of work. And my boyfriend's the same, like he'll work so much longer than I do of my nine to six job. But, (laughs) But I... I just don't understand that. But he's like, no, I want to do it. Like I have, like this is something I want to do. So yeah, yeah, yeah it's interesting. But so if, if if I would, sorry to, I know you probably want to wrap this up, but no, no, it, like the, you work in TV, am I right? TV and film? Yes. Yeah. So is there an area within that, the, of what you do that you absolutely love as in, as part of your job? Yeah, definitely. If you were to do just that part, would you do it for longer? Uh, yes. Yeah, probably would. Yeah. So kind of, it's, it, mm. that, that's the biggest thing is like, it's the doing things like, cause we all do things that we don't want to do. And we, there are things that we have to do that. I mean, one for me is like, I'm at the minute looking for a general manager to deal with like refunds and, and, uh, customer service and stuff. Cause I hate that stuff. Mm. Like I'll put that mm-hmm. off as much as I want, can. And that kind of stuff is what makes me feel drained and and kind of burnt out as such. Yeah. Um, but other people love dealing with that stuff. So it's just finding what within yourself you are good at, that you enjoy. And I think the key part of that comes back to what I said earlier is trying lots of stuff. If you don't try lots mm-hmm. of stuff, you don't know what you enjoy. You don't know what you're good at and where you can excel. So mm. that's just my take on it anyway. Yeah. No, it's great. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your amazing stories and That'd interesting outlook actually on all of this. Um, I've never really thought much about the entrepreneurial world, but yeah, it's, um, it's, it's an exciting place. Yeah. Well, you're getting into it now with the, uh, the podcast is definitely, uh, <laughs> you know, audio is a great platform. And I think, you know, what you've got here with regards to a concept, I think is, is pretty awesome because it is something that people need. Like I wish I knew Back then, I mean, I was fortunate enough to be surrounded by people that were kind of entrepreneurial and, and they did guide me like in a certain direction. But having that as a voice of people that have been there and not in a condescending way that's coming from like your teachers and stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. I think it's hugely yeah. beneficial. So I look forward yeah. to seeing where you go with all this. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you to the extremely talented composer and producer of this podcast, Pete Haff, and a big thank you to you guys at home for listening. If you're enjoying the podcast so far, then please feel free to leave us a review. We absolutely love reading them and it helps more people find us. We'll see you next week.